morning, everybody. Evolutionary.org podcast coming your way. We're on episode 382 in this one. Today, we're going to be talking about IGF-1, insulin growth factor dash one. Steve Smee here. And the Rickster is in the house. What's going on? Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, guys? How's everybody doing out there? Yeah, so today we're going to talk about a peptide, IGF-1. It's an anabolic hormone that stimulates the growth of bone, muscle, and other tissues in the body. So uh, IGF-1 has been used for years by guys. It's a alternate way to use something that's going to boost, you know, those growth hormone type of benefits in the body. So we're going to talk about all these different benefits in our body. We do have IGF-1 in our bodies, obviously. We have growth hormone in our bodies, obviously. As you age, those numbers obviously start dipping. So if you can remember when you were 20, this is why pro athletes, when they're 20, 25 years old, they get injured and they're able to come back. But once they get to 35, 40 and they get injured, it's not so easy to come back. And you've noticed that. Um, I can remember when I was younger, I'd get hurt. I'd work, work out through it. Things would get better. I was fine. As I've gotten older, you can't do that anymore. You start working through these little nagging injuries. They get worse and worse. So IGF-1, that's one of the areas IGF-1 is good at. But we're going to get into all that. It's really, really a cool little peptide that you should probably uh, learn more about. And that's what we're going to do in this one. But first, I'm going to bring in Rick. Uh, Rick, give us some of the history behind IGF-1. There isn't much out there because it is a peptide. So what do you got on that? IGF-1 has been recognized as far back as the 1950s but I really couldn't find much about the availability of it or the use of it, except what we kind of know of it being available just in the last 20 to 30 years. uh, Really guys have started um, adding it into their cycles and the mail order availability of it has come a long way. Yeah. So let's kind of talk about IGF one, how it's produced in the body. So 75% of the IGF one in our body is produced by the liver. And that's going to be due to the release of another hormone, growth hormone, which itself is released in response to exercise, sleep, and food intake. So you've heard about how important sleep is and how I'm always talking about sleep. And guys, they're very, you know, I asked Steve, you're just talking about sleep. Sleep is for wusses. I'll sleep when I'm dead. I'm tough. I don't need much sleep. I only get three hours of sleep at night. And I say, look, you want to be tough, you need to get your sleep. Some of the best athletes out there, Tom Brady, religiously gets eight hours of sleep every night. Sleep is so freaking important. This is an example of why sleep is important. Exercise. We've talked about compound lifting. There is some evidence out there that compound lifting will boost IGF-1 in the body. Food intake, proper nutrition, There's plenty of evidence out there that proper nutrition will also boost IGF-1. So these are things that you can do to boost IGF-1 in your body besides injecting it. We want to maximize it already naturally. We want to maximize it even as we get into our 40s and 50s as much as we can, even though it's dropping in our body. We don't want to have to resort to just taking something to make up for our deficiencies. And we know 
the same thing with growth hormone, same thing with IGF-1. If you can get it going in your body and then add to it or cycle it, that is much more beneficial than just having to depend on taking it. So IGF-1 in the body, it's released by our liver, circulates in our bloodstream, and it targets tissues in the body, including muscle tissue. And it's the type of hormone that acts locally on nearby tissue. And it's IGF-1 ends up getting secreted by muscle cells. And that's called MIGF-1. So in the body, when it comes to repairs in our body, IGF-1 plays a very crucial role in that. So that's why you hear people who are using growth hormone, IGF-1, they say, I'm able to repair injuries from it. That's why you see rumors from pro athletes, Rick. I'll give you an example. Adrian Peterson years ago tore his ACL, I believe. It was his ACL in his knee. And what that is, is that's, a, that's the ligament in your knee. He was a running back, Rick. Running back, tearing up his knee, that's not good. Okay. Now, he was able to come back and have a spectacular season the very, very next year. And that's the type of injury in years past where guys have gotten as running backs and they've never been able to come back. So he was able to come back and there was rumors of speculation that he had run IGF-1 and growth hormone. And that was one of the ways he was able to recover so fast because it defies conventional wisdom for someone like that to come back. So let's say you get an injury, major injury, and you want to come back, you're desperate to come back, adding IGF-1 to your protocol after your surgery is over in conjunction with the physical therapy, in conjunction with having a positive mindset, sleep, diet, all these other things I talked about earlier can really work amazing synergy. So Rick, um, you have a big um, uh, soccer culture in Latin America, and I'm sure a lot of athletes there who are soccer players, they're missing around IGF-1. Talk a little bit about that and how it can benefit uh, athletes who are very, very active. Recovery time, healing, it's, it's a great peptide uh, for performance, for keeping your body nice and healed up. Uh, let me ask you a question, Steve, that you know a bit, quite a bit more about IGF-1 than I do. Uh, are guys... Uh, are some guys getting some of the growth and the jaw and the hands and ears and, and things like that from IGF as some guys have gotten from a uh, human growth hormone, or is that not a problem with IGF? What have you heard out there? No, I've not heard. I haven't even heard that really with HGH unless you abuse it. So we're going to kind of get into the dosages in a little bit about, about that. So you should not get those types of side effects. Like car, you shouldn't get, you shouldn't get, we're going to talk about the side effects in a little bit, but you shouldn't get those types of side effects if you're running these, these things properly. But when guys abuse these things, that's when you start getting into the danger zone getting the carpal tunnel, you get the cancer risk, you get the inflammatory risks in the body, the enlarged organs, that's that sort of thing. So that's not what we're going to preach on this podcast, guys. We're going to teach, we're going to preach how to recover properly. Um, see, that's a different, there's two ways to use IGF-1. You can use it for therapeutic reasons, or you can use it for abusive reasons to get to that size, the big, big Mr. Olympia, 260 pound beast size. So there's two different ways 
So if you're gonna you're gonna take that chance and you want to get that big and you want to use it for that those reasons, you're gonna have to deal with these consequences. So um, you know that's that's my feeling on it. So the therapeutic dosages are gonna be significantly different when it comes to uh, IGF one. All right, so let's move on to let's get it through all the benefits, Rick, and then we can kind of make people understand about this. So the first benefit of IGF-1 is it facilitates protein synthesis in the body, just like anabolic steroids. When you use anabolic steroids, those of you who used it, you'll notice when you're taking it, you get benefits in the body, strength and mass. Well, IGF-1 is the same thing. It's going to help your body do that, that you would not be able to accomplish without it. So let's say hypothetically, we took all the IGF-1 away from your body and you were to go work your ass off in the gym and you were to diet perfectly, you were to sleep perfectly and everything, you'd be, you'd be spinning your wheels. You'd be spinning your wheels. So it's just like having no, no testosterone in your body, low testosterone. If your testosterone levels are at 100, it's going to be very difficult to achieve that protein synthesis in the body to get, get things going. The other thing it does, IGF-1 does, Anabolic steroids don't do, they, it regulates the storage of fat and channels used for the production of energy. So when you're taking IGF-1, just like growth hormone, the effects of fat loss are there. And from some of the people I've interviewed over the years who have been IGF-1 hogs, some of these pros that I've talked to, they actually consider it a direct fat burner. And anabolic steroids are not fat burners, even though people who use anabolic steroids tend to be, you know, thin and, and have a nice six pack, four pack. That's not from the anabolic steroids. That's from diet, genetics, those, those types of things. And of course, training. So IGF-1 is one of those things that can actually directly burn fat. So that's really, really cool. The next thing is, ties into it, metabolism. It can help you increase lean body mass and decrease fat at the same time. So it can help you recomp very, very well because of its effects on metabolism. Another thing we talked about are regenerative properties of the body's nerve tissues. What a problem we have as weight, weightlifters, Rick, over the years, we are going to deal with nerve issues. You're dealing with them. I've dealt with them. We're going to deal with disc issues, herniated disc, nerves going down our arm into our pinkies. It's going to go numb. What is going on? Those are nerve problems, sciaticas. Um, I have to deal with sciatica a lot. I'm sitting a lot for work. My, my real job, I have to sit a lot. Also, you know, we get tight hips as we get older. That kind of puts pressure on our hip joints and that kind of pinches nerves as well. So that's an issue. What about boosting hyperplasia and muscle cells? So you get fuller muscle tissues. You ever seen uh, the top level bodybuilders? Look at that. Look at that. Look at the way they look. Ligament strength. Very, very, very important. This is why athletes at the professional lever, level, they love using this stuff because of its ligament strength. And you're coming off a ligament injury. This stuff is amazing for that. And then IGF-1 in general, bone development. If you don't have the IGF-1 going in your body, it's going to be very hard to grow. 
you know, so especially if you're coming off an injury, a bone injury, it's going to take longer to heal. Why do you think old people, when they break bones, they're like in a hospital bed for like days, days or weeks, <laughs> you know, they're in a freaking hospital bed. But when you're 12 years old and you break a bone, two days later, you're right back, you know, running around and outside and stuff. So completely different thing that has a lot to do with uh, IGF-1. You want to jump in? So, Steve, let me ask you this. For bodybuilding purposes out there, for guys out there just trying to, to look their best, not competition, obviously, but just really trying to look their best, would you be better served using IGF or using GH or both? The thing is, with IGF-1, very, very hard to find the peptides. Um, over the years, for the most part, peptides that have been sold IGF-1 are fake, underdosed, something else. So only in recent years do we see companies actually provide legitimate peptides. So IGF-1 is just a matter of your budget. So if you pull up off these peptide sites, you're not going to see a lot of them even sell IGF-1. So if you're lucky enough to find it, you can save money just using it. So let's start with IGF-1 LR3. So that one you can take four times a week, five, five times a week, or, and that's going to be 50 to 150 micrograms a day. So you're going to be good running that. How long does LR3 last in, the, in, the, in your body once you inject it? That one is okay. So IGF D, IGF one DES has a short half life. So LR three has a longer half life. So, but that's not really important here because we have to remember with IGF one, any of these growth hormones, you're getting that pulse effect. So it's not like it's like an using anabolic steroids where you take anabolic steroids, it just shuts you down completely. You're still getting the IGF one in your body, the growth hormone in your body. So the IGF one DES. You're going to dose it at 50 to 100 micrograms multiple times a day prior to training. And then the LR3, you're going to take it once a day. So LR3 is the one that has longer, it's, it lasts longer in the body. So, and, you know, there's some people who say, oh, I'm going to take the DES in a specific muscle group. They might say, oh, I want to take it in my biceps. I want to have my biceps grow. Some people think that actually helps. Um, I didn't know, I didn't notice that myself, but. Some people think it actually helps injecting it right into the site. So, um, so yeah, so that pretty much sums it up, guys, um, in terms of that. It really boils down to if you can find real IGF-1, and it boils down to the, the budget. So we can kind of get into some uh, side effects and then talk about how to stack it. Do you have anything to add to that? Well. IGF-1 stacks kind of well with anything. You would use it the way you would use growth hormone, basically. Um, it does seem to, uh, bro science seems to point that guys feel it burns fat better than growth hormone. But at the end of the day, I think Steve nailed it on the head. It's just about you really being able to get good, legit, good quality IGF. If you can manage that, then you're golden because it is a very effective compound, but it, it, the fact that you can actually still find some uh, growth hormone and, and 
and some known brands and, and also in, in human grade uh, brands like Pfizer. You can still get Pfizer human growth hormone if, if you're crafty enough. But IGF-1 is just kind of out there. You, you know, it's very hard to find good, good quality of it. So that's a, that's a very, very good point, Steve. Yeah, and at the end of the day, guys, I mean, IGF-1, growth hormone, what is the difference? You know, growth hormone is a precursor to the IGF-1. So the advantage of using the IGF-1 would be that growth hormone does not directly cause muscle growth. It facilitates the growth of muscles by signaling the release of the IGF-1. So IGF-1 is kind of cut more cutting to the chase. And I... And a lot of people rave about it. The, the people who can find real stuff. Rich Piana, back in the day, he used to use IGF-1. He used to talk about it. He used to love it. He used to love it. It who? was one of Rich who? Piana. Rich Piana. Okay. Yeah, okay. Pronounced it a little bit funny. Okay. <laughs> um, so, but here's here's the downside, go. There is, there is a downside to IGF-1, and that is the side effects. We talked about it earlier. If you abuse it, you can start getting those side effects I talked about, uh, like Rick had brung up, like the jaw changes, the, the, um, the carpal tunnel issues, some of the, those things. But really the number one side effect that IGF-1 Your ears get bigger, your jaw gets bigger, right? Uh, yeah, you have, to, you have to abuse the crap out of it. You know, there's some athletes that people suspect of using growth hormone because of the way their face and their heads have morphed over the years. Yeah, that's kind of... That's kind of funny. And so it's, that's a good point for sure. But I think the number one problem with IGF one, which is why I shy away from it is the hypoglycemia issues. So, because it is going to mess around with your insulin resist insulin sensitivity in your body and cause a, a change in insulin sensitivity. So to me, it's a little bit um, not really functional with, with what I try to accomplish myself because I like to um, eat in a time-restricted diet. So with IGF-1, if you're going to inject it, you're going to want to eat, you know, your, your blood sugar is going to tank on it. You're going to start getting jittery. You're going to have some issues. So a lot of people, um, what's going to end up happening when you take it, your, your insulin sensitivity is going to drop. And what's going to end up happening is if you're not giving yourself, you're not carbon up, you're not giving, you know, eating protein and stuff, you may get, start getting some high, some hypoglycemia type side effects. So those are the main issues with it. So if you're going to run it, you're, you're going to have to work on uh, timing your meals a little differently. You're not going to be able to eat like in a two or four hour window later in the day, you're going to have to eat, you know, sooner than that. So you're gonna have to time it around your workouts. You don't want to take it and then go work out unless you're really experienced and you've experienced the, the, the compound and know how your body's going to react to it. So that's really the, the main side effect. It doesn't take much to kind of kick that off, kick that off. So, um, you know, if you're running, you know, you're running the dosage, say you're running 150 micrograms a day. That's a pretty, pretty, you know, that's a max, pretty high end max doses for most people. If you're going to run 250, 300, which is double that, you're going to definitely start seeing those side effects. So you want to make sure that you are aware of that and, and you know, you're okay with that. Because to me, it's really annoying to have to get up in the middle of the night because I have the jitters because I need to carve up. That's not going to fly my type of lifestyle. So 
it just it's just a matter of yin and yanging and and trying to figure out how to how to best use it. So Rick, <clears throat> tell us a little bit more. Uh, what else? What else did we miss before we? Uh, so uh, about testing, um, testing on on this stuff. Um, it's not that easy to get caught using it. There isn't like a standard kind of uh, urine test for it, uh, but it can be detected if at the time that they're testing you, your IGF levels are like through the roof. But uh, it's besides that, barring that, uh, it seems like it's a, one of the pretty easy ones to get to get away with using. Is that is that correct, Steve, or am I wrong on that? Well, it's going to be hard to detect. Yeah, it's going to be hard to detect. So if you're using You have shorter- to get the test at a time that you have something like LR3 in there that they can uh, yank that out and that's not going to be naturally produced or where you have higher than your body could naturally produce levels and, you know, they got you, you know, even, even if you shoot test base. But at the time of testing you, which, you know, if you're high level, like WADA, they can just show up at your door and demand a, a piss test uh, by, you know, surprise, surprise. And they test you and your levels are above what any, any human could, could make it. You, you're, you're going to get popped, right? It's very hard. It's very hard. Um, growth hormone, very hard to get detected for. It's in and, it's in and out so fast. Uh, but yes, it is on the WADA prohibited list. So if you're unlucky enough to to you know get tested for it and get busted for it yeah you're in trouble so but yeah um at the end of the day guys it's all about finding a legitimate source that sells igf1 so you can can come on our forums and and ask and see if you know we can send you to one a a source find you can find a source on our forum that will uh, that have legitimate stuff you don't want to spend the money on fake IGF one, it's going to be a complete waste of time. So that's, that's the best way to do it. And then you can run blood work to confirm that it's legitimate. The way you would do that is you'd inject it, then go get blood work done, test your IGF one, your IGF one should be, should be elevated. That would be the ironclad way to know if you're getting a legitimate product. So that pretty much sums it up. I, I don't know if there's anything else we can add to that, Rick. Um, the only thing I can add is you're not going to find the DES. Um, you're, you're, you're not going to find DES uh, for prescription. If you go to an anti-aging clinic, you're going to have to get the LR3 because the DES is not going to be available. So, so that's the, the more longer acting version, the LR3. Um, IGF stacks well with Trembolone too, by the way. It's a nice, uh, nice, nice stack. Yeah, so that's uh, that's one of the things too. If you want to stack it, a lot of people stack them with SARMs. There's people that stack it with steroids, anabolic steroids. Uh, there's people that stack it with supplements, supplementation. There's all kinds of things, there's really. A, a cycle, including trying an IGF one plus uh, some other good steroids, you'll be real happy. Just keeping dosages, keeping the dosing low. Don't get too crazy with it becomes a waste of money after a certain point anyway. So, yeah, man. Yeah. So if you want to, look, if you want to become like top end bodybuilder, if you can find legitimate IGF one, definitely stack it in your steroid stack. 
it's going to get, it's going to help get you there for sure. It's going to help get you there for sure. And if you're a guy who just wants it for therapeutic re, uh, purposes, you can take it and you can take it, stack it with SARMs or stack it with a mild steroid cycle. You get tremendous results with it too. So yeah, it's one definitely. Um, it's uh, it's IGF also known for causing like nicer skin and, and hair growth the way growth hormone is. Or, or yep, like yep, that. yep. Yep, it it has the same those same benefits, but the number one the number one benefit for sure is with injury repair, with helping you definitely get the muscles going, bigger muscles and fat loss. Those are the main benefits I got that people rave about. Yeah, see, when you get into some of these peptides, they're going to make you look statically better. Your skin, your hair, it's you're you're just gonna look younger on it. These are rejuvenation clinic tools basically right so um growth hormone igf1 the stuff all right guys so that sums it up that was uh really nothing more we can add if you guys have any other questions you come on our forums at evolution.org and you can post up a thread about it and if you want to try it come on down and try it and start a log um, and that will keep you honest with yourself. I was recommending logs, especially now coming off the pandemic. A lot of guys, you know, they let themselves go a little bit. Starting a log is really good to motivate yourself to keep yourself honest. And we will keep you honest too on the forum. You don't have to worry about people being, you know, nasty to you and flaming you. Just come on and um, we'd love to push you along and get that peer pressure going. Definitely helps to have that peer pressure. So that positive peer pressure. All right. So that sums it up, buddy. We're going to have another compound episode next week. We will talk to you guys then. Take it easy. Have a good one, Steve. Have a good one, guys. Guys, this is the required legal disclaimer. We are only sharing our experience from years of steroid use. We are not doctors, and none of what we say should be regarded as medical advice. Always check with your doctor before taking any drugs or starting any training program.